You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Rav Avinir turns to a, another statement from Rabbi Yudachosin. If you might remember yesterday, we had, a, we had one statement from Rabbi about entering a church. This is another statement, and it makes sense that these statements uh, would proliferate um, especially in the works of Chassid, that in Germany, there was a lot of uh, interconnectivity between the Jewish community and the Christian community, most of it negative. And here is um, what Rabbi Chassid writes. Those of you who grew up speaking Yiddish, like myself, this is the way my parents referred to all the priests, the Galochim, the Galach, because, of course, they... Uh, they Normally, uh, the monks especially shaved their heads. They were called galochim, right? Another reason was is because they, many of them were beardless, unlike the rabbis. But even the ones that weren't uh, were called galochim because of the way they, uh, the, the specific way of either of their lack of hair uh, or lack of facial hair that would be called a galach. So Yudokhosot says it's also to teach a galach the Hebrew letters. Many Jews did. You shouldn't go over to the Galach and sing him a Karabach to him. Because then he'll take that song and he'll take it over to Avodazara. But that's not what has to do with Avinir's question. This next line does. Hmm. So, which means that if it was being sung for Avodazara, the nigan itself, till now we've been talking about listening to the people in the church singing it. Now we're saying that nigan cannot be used for God. If it was used for Avodazara, Christianity, their version of God, we can't use it in our shuls. So you see, he says it would seem that the Isser is not studying, Avinir says. The Isser is using it. There's an Isser of listening to it as it's occurring, and that wasn't happening for this girl. But even if you want to say the Nigun itself has a power and is tainted, but it's only tainted when you want to try to do bring it into holiness, when you want to bring it into the into the into the base Knesset. But he didn't say that you couldn't listen to the nigger. Hmm. Um, however, um, it didn't stop with the Sefer Chassidim. The Rabbi Yehiel Sirkish, the Ba'is Chodosh, didn't just write a Sefer on uh, Shulchan Aruch, on, on, the base, on the tour. He also, was, he also authored a number of chubas. He was a rub in 10 different cities. He was considered one of the premier rabbonim of his time, Rabbi Sirkish, the Bach, as we know him. Um, and he writes the following. He says, this that they are being mezamer in the Beis Knesses, And he knew what was going on. The same tunes that they were using in the churches Hmm. It's only if those tunes are completely used only for church service. Because then it becomes what's done in the church. 
similar to the idea of a matzeva. The matzeva at one time was mutter and was actually beloved by God, but then the non-Jews started using matzevas for avodazar. But the Bach has an interesting heter. Meaning, it might be used in the church, but it's not only used in the church. It's not specifically meant for Avodah Zarah. So then you could say, even though they're using it, and some of them use it for the churches, it's not going to be also. So for example, let's say... um, Let's say the tune Happy Days Are Here Again. Remember? That's the song that uh, uh, was a big hit in the 1920s. It's the New Deal. New Deal. The New Deal. Right. Because that was a song that people thought would end uh, the Depression and and et cetera. Um, And many politicians used that Happy Days Are Here Again. So let's imagine that song was an Agaisha song. And let's imagine a couple of different churches start using it. Let's say a couple of these mega churches start saying, Yoshka Pondrick is here again, right? Let's say they start using that song. And that becomes like a, a secular tune that some churches have adopted. But since it's not, only the churches that are adopting that tune, even though it is used in church. So we could use that too. We could even use it in shul. And we could say, Not bad, right? So you would be able to use that because even though they're using it in the mega church, but it's not specifically meant for Avodah Zarah. Uh, uh, Rabbi? Yes. Rabbi? Uh, I just, what comes to mind is all these um, um, Hasidic rabbis that would go into shul Friday night when the shepherds, non-Jewish shepherds, were coming home humming something, right? right. And they would uh, take over. We are not sure what the origin of those songs was. They were humming, you know, folks, was it, was it who's in church or not? But they, uh, the, the rabbis would often... Uh, okay, so say, that's, a, that's a good point, Dr. Kogan. And, and, and what you said is important because, yes, hearing it in the churches or in the actually the Kalavar Rebbe and other Rebbes would go to the beer halls and stand behind the beer halls and hear what the peasants... I, I even with my limited musical thing, I mean, something like Dai Dayenu is a classical uh, beer song. Dayenu, Dai, Dai. It's like you could say, have to sing with a Stein, you know, sing, or... Um, um, that's to me at a classical Gregorian chant. So that's why I used Happy Days Are Here Again, because that's clearly not meant to be a church song, even though the churches might have adapted it, you know, in Texas in order to get everybody to get the MAGA people into it, right? So, so the point is, is that it, you you can take these type, the fact that it was used in a church itself, according to the Bach, doesn't make it verboten. Okay? However, he says that because a new, because the reason is, is because a tune on its own doesn't become a, a dover that's usser. It's the usage of it. And therefore, if it's, if this one is completely 
used for Avodah Zarah now. And we don't even hear it anywhere else. So then you can't use it. But if it's used in other places, so then it would be okay. So now this is what Avinair is building to. Let's take a look at the high, the tunes from the high middle ages. He says, let's take specifically Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Two different Bachs tonight, right? You never thought we would mention Rabbi Yehiel Sirkish, the Bach. That's quite, yeah. yeah. And Johann Sebastian Bach, okay? <laughs> so Bach wrote music for the church. Yeah. But today, people study Bach's uh, creations just because they like the music and they see it as beautiful music to listen to. Even though it's so, forget about the original source. At this point, it's it's like that happy days are here again. Yeah, there's still churches that might use the Bach canticles and use the Bach organ music, but there are many people who are listening to it because they like to hear Bach. And therefore, he says, in fact, most of the people who listen to Bach today don't know that it was it was originally meant to, uh, it was originally composed for religious purposes. And therefore, if you would even take a look primarily, primarily Bach's music today is not used in churches. So therefore, he says that the Bach would allow the other Bach to be used even if you would want to make that part of your chazanus. Now, that's in terms of making it part of your davening. The girl that asked the question, though, was talking about taking a course, analyzing it. Is there even the Bach wouldn't say it's Osir? Uh, I'm sorry, Rabbi, yes. would the same apply, I'm sorry, would the same apply to visual arts, going to museums, looking at, let's say, Renaissance art, which is mostly uh, religious, but um, you can take uh, it out of the religious context also. I mean, that's, I've been studying your art history. I know this stuff. It's, it's also another, you know, another. Okay. So here I would, here I would, here, here I believe it's a little bit trickier. Um, it's, it's a little bit trickier when it comes to actual images. Um, images of, of, of the Madonna, images of a Madonna and child, images of, 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 of St. Peter, images of John the Baptist. Those are very difficult to say that they're no longer church iconography. Um, the question is, is it considered getting Hano from it the same way as we said, getting Hano from listening to music? Um, and, and there might be an issue of, mm-hmm. of, of enjoying, definitely purchasing these things. The question is, if you go to a museum, uh, which happens a lot, right? Uh, Sheila, I many times went, it was one of my biggest uh, pleasures was to go to the Art Institute in Chicago. And yeah. uh, and they have an incredible, have you, I, I'm sure you've been there, and they have an inc- yeah. incredible Renaissance art uh, display there. And and the question would be, yes, you're right, it might be a question about uh, about going and standing in front of there and admiring uh, but- 
reading something once uh, that uh, some of the artists, you know, that was the only way they could do their art because the church was a political, you know, in control. And some of the art that they actually did was is was is almost like a a a jag a jab at it. It's almost like a spoof. In some ways, I was remember reading. I'm not sure which ones are, but like they'll put certain things in there that if you know what you're looking for, it's actually like trying to uh-huh. disrespect. But uh-huh. I, I know what you're saying. What you're saying is is that many of the great Renaissance artists had to become patrons of the church or other wealthy people. So yeah, they're having food on the table and being able to. Right. So therefore, like Michelangelo had to draw the Sistine Chapel, you know, he had to, I don't know if he had to, but, um, but he actually, you know, <laughs> perhaps, you know, when he talked about God uh, creating a man, there might actually be some anti-religious aspect there, uh, enclosed in the religious one. But, uh, you know, that's a very subtle argument and, and, and I can accept it. Um, look, I'm not going to tell you that I haven't seen the picture of of Michelangelo's uh, The Creation of Man. And I have definitely seen images of other biblical images. Um, I think there's, you know, one, we get into this, we probably have to differentiate between Old Testament imagery and New Testament imagery as well. Um, yeah. right? For example, um, the image of Michelangelo's Moses, right? Not talking about David. That's that's another problem. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the way Michelangelo right, uh, construct, you know, the image that he made of, of of David. I'm not talking about that, but the image he has of Moses, you know, with the horns and everything like that. Um, would one be able to look at that and say, oh, you know, get some sort of uh, hanov from that, knowing that it was created by? There, I, you know, there, I think your argument has a lot more worth. Michelangelo and Da Vinci might have been Christians, but they were not religious men. They were not religious men in, in the way we consider men to be religious. Um, right, and and also, I mean, there is a Shiloh of, of statues to begin with, you know. And right, in, but that, right, but that's that's making the statues. The question is, is you know, there's no issue of you're not supposed to own one. The question is, we talked about if, if you would be able to go to this museum and and look at it and enjoy it, that would be the question. Right, are and you, then there's the, the secondary, Shiley's, there are many objects that we consider artistic that really have its origin in a Vodazora, everything from jewelry to pottery to anything. And nowadays you could actually pick up things that are like copies of it people long forgotten is original. Okay, so this gets into, this is the reason why I, I sort of kept the argument, uh, the discussion with Aviner's Shaila about Christianity. In other words, Sheila, you're bringing up these Avodazaras that have already vanished from the earth. You're talking about these, you know, these these type of dolls or, or you know, images. Um, and actually, even Chinese, um, anything Chinese often has But some of that might not be practiced anymore, right? Some of that avodazara, like when you go to the art institute and other places, you go into places where you're you're seeing things that it used to be avodazara. It's not avodazara. No one's serving. No one is serving these items anymore. Nobody is. It's not part of a religion anymore. 
uh, and therefore there might be a difference. I think part of the reason why Aviner's question is a little more relevant because we're dealing with a religion that's still the most, the, the, the strongest religion in the world today, uh, I believe. I don't know, uh, in terms of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so as we said, um, there might be a heter here uh, for this music. Now, um, So that's the, the, the heter for the music. But he says that um, what about the fact that the Bach doesn't say that studying or listening to this music is chukas agoyim? What about the fact that, that in general we know non-Jews are doing it, right? And, and we know that it's in the church, but it's also done by others. So he says, you see that if it's not a church-specific song, then there's no Isra of Chukas Agoyim. Because Chukas Agoyim, Aviner says, changes based on what their reality is. So therefore, he wants to say that those Baroque musics, Bach and earlier, they generally are not used only in specialty churches. They definitely are not only used there. So you would be allowed to listen to them. But he says not to use the original, if they if there's a choral part to them, if the music was meant to accompany a hymn or some sort of praise, those should not be mentioned. Those shouldn't even be studied at all. Chacham um, Avadia dealt with this question as well. Chacham Avadia said that um, let's think about this business about using songs in the shul. He says that many poskim say Chacham Avadia says many poskim say that you are allowed to sell uh, a, um, a church to become a shul. So you see, you could even take the building where Avodah Zorah was done and make it into a shul. So therefore, you could also take, even if it's a church song, he says, you could, and they're still singing it in the churches, you can actually turn it into a Jewish song. And he quotes the famous postic, Rabbi Yosef Shol Natazen, that says it's mutter, and it might be a Kiddush Hashem. And here we get into what Dr. Kogan was saying, sort of a Hasidic way of looking at things, a Kabbalistic way. I'm actually taking from the Sitra Achra, I'm bringing it from the other side of Tum and bringing it to Kedusha. And he says, I know, Chacham Avadi says, the Gemara says that, that a tune, even though it's not Dover Mamash, but it's still Osir Midr he says, that's only while you're listening to the Avodah Zara. But if you take that tune and you bring it to Kedusha, it's different. And there's no Iser, especially if the Chazan, I'm not sure how he heard it, but when the Chazan hears it and he's thinking, I want to praise God with that tune. Now, um, 
I want to end here with something Chocham Avadya quotes. It's a very famous uh, tshuva. And this book is basically only, one of the most recent people know about this book is because of this tshuva. It's the very first tshuva in the Sefer. The name of the tshuva Sefer, it's called Krach Shoromi. The Gemara speaks, that's a term the Gemara uses. The Krach, the big giant city of Rome, the metropolis of Rome. The, the, the Jewish rabbi of Rome, obviously he was Jewish, was Rabbi Yisrael Moshe Chazan. And he says, and again, he was at the seat of Christianity, he says that he has seen many Talmud HaChachamim uh, bringing in present-day church tunes into the shul. In fact, he says, I know the Rabbonim are actually standing behind the church. Maybe they're in the, we talked to Shiva, whether you go into the, uh, into the um, social hall. But they were actually saying, they were actually going by the churches in their holiday season, standing close enough to actually learn the tunes and to therefore know how those tunes will fit in to the high holiday tunes for the Yom Naroyim. And he says it's different than a Matseva. The Bach says, look at a Matseva. A Matseva you want to say a tune is, 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 is bad? A tune can't be bad? Well, neither is a stone that you put up for God. So here, Rab Chazan, interesting name, right? Rab Yisrael Chazan, he's, he, he disagrees. He says, if you take a look at what a matseva is, all right, what does it mean? It's sort of, sort of it's some sort of symbol of something that's going to last forever. It's strong. Why did the Goyim accept it? I don't know. Now that, that becomes what they put up. You don't really see the direct service of God in the Matseva. It's very removed. It's a symbol that's supposed to inspire you in some way. But Chazan said, when it comes to a song, the power of music is so great, especially the music that you see done in the churches, the music that, that creates submission, the music touches your, your heart, it connects to you. Yes. There are some uh, Sephardic Yamim Noraim tunes that they're taken from Christianity. That's what we've been talking about. That's what Rabbi Yisro Chazan is talking about those. And, and Chacham Avad, you knew about them. You're right, Moshe. And that's what, but the reason was, what about the fact that it was Avodah Zarah? They even took it, we, we talked about old songs. Chazan was talking about present-day Christian songs in his time in Rome that the Rabbanim and Chazanim studied and figured out how it fits into whatever Vachol uh, or, 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 you know, Bedil B'yavor, whatever they were thinking about, and they used it. And the reason Chazan comes up with is because a song isn't like a matseva that's supposed to be a symbol. A song done properly melts your heart the sweetness, the sense of submission. It's almost like you start crying right away. And he says, this, that the Christians have these nigunim, are nigunim muchnaim. They are nigunim that lead to submission. You start loving God when you hear that song. 
and therefore, I'm not talking about jingle bells. I'm not talking. I'm talking about you know, um, you know, the, right? Ave Maria, right? Ave Maria, right? Which is about who? Is it is is, is it about is it about uh, Jesus's mother? Right. <laughs> right. He says, we shouldn't, they stole it, they took it. Why should it become us, or even though they're, they're the ones that are using it? He says, look at Korbanot, look at the Ketoret. Those weren't us in the Beit HaMikdash, even though God, uh, even though they were done by Avodah Zarah. So therefore, he says, um, a music is completely different. And, and therefore, you're right, Moshe, uh, uh, you can see that, 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 that there was a minag, and the Sephardim still have it. Look, at the chasanas for sure, <laughs> they do all the Italian songs. I, I think I was there even at your daughter's wedding, Moshe, <laughs> where the singer did uh, a, a number of Italian songs, right? Yes, he did. What's the one? Time to say goodbye. Right, that one, right? Yes. Right? You remember I, well. <laughs> I remember the, you had the guy who was singing that by the chuppah. So, you must be drinking a lot that night. <laughs> anyway, he says that, uh, therefore, we don't paskin like necessary like this psaq of Yisrael Chazan, but it definitely creates a different look when you know there is such a shita. Chacham Avadi himself um, does, uh, accepts in some, he says, look, the Rabbanim are doing it. Clearly, uh, we know that those Nigunim came from Christianity. Another Sephardi Rav, Rav Chaim David Alevi, the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, we've talked about him many times. Um, uh, he also says that it's definitely just a, a, a dat yachid. But remember, we're talking about a girl who wants to just study the music as part of a college course. Rechaim David Alevi says that you shouldn't really listen, even if you aren't going to shul with it, you shouldn't really listen to church music. And he says... Um, However, it probably is only church music that is now presently used in churches and is considered standard Christian fare. However, he says, since it is Avodah Zarah, and Avodah Zarah is serious even today, Chaim David Levy says, we should try to stay away from it. And if you know that it's church music, don't shouldn't be listening to it. Um, and, and he says... You can tell, and I, I know this as well, I love listening to classical music, but on Sunday morning, the classical music station that I like listening to, it's all church-type music, and I, don't, I do not listen to that music. As much as I you know, might, I don't know if I would enjoy it, but uh, again, I, I try to stay away as much as I love classical music from that. And However, he says, if you want to be mekel, again, he says, Roy, he says, a mekel could be somech. But and if you, especially since you have to go to school, and 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 he says, remember, he wants uh, Avi Nair wants there to be girls, religious girls, musica, right? I I we want them to get their degrees 
so they could teach music in the schools. And if part of getting the degree is this is part of the course, it's an uh, important... Uh, Rabbi, I also remember, again, I'm going back to the, the visual because that's my background, but I heard that a lot of the from, um uh, guides in Israel are having are not able to get their licenses because they do not, and that's why they're not licensed because they do not. You're supposed to know a lot of the Christian uh, sites and visit Christian sites. That's what makes a uh, license. Okay. In Israel. I could. That's what I heard. I am not an. So expert. Dr. Kogan is talking about the tour guides, which yeah, is a very Israel. lucrative parnasa for many people. A side parnasa. I know many Talmidei Chachamim. <laughs> who do this as a as a parnasa, and you say, they can't get the official uh, sticker from Israel because <laughs> they didn't know how to describe the churches because they didn't want to go into the churches, right? Right, and they don't study it. You have to study it and know that stuff to to get a license. Yeah, it's another well, issue. Yeah, yeah. Kaddish Baruch Hu should give them a, a, a should give them their schut. I have to mention here. We mentioned the the machmir and the mekel. Rav Moshe Feinstein Zatzal was very machmir, and I have to mention that. Rav Moshe Feinstein has a a beautiful, he he feels that if there's some song that originally came from Christianity, he says it's us or even today. Um, And even if it's for the sake of Parnosa, he says, even if your purpose of listening to it is for your Parnosa, it's us. And he has, this is his proof. His proof is from the Gemara about Acher. If you remember, the Gemara says, why did Acher go to a Tarbut Ra'ah? Why did Acher become a Rosha? So the Gemara says is because that he, Zemer Yevani lo pasak mipume, that the, 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 the Greek songs stayed in his mouth. So what was the Isser there? Um, singing? Singing that made him turn into that turned him into uh, a, a Russia by singing those songs. And I want to tell you that's what my teachers told me. That's what my Manal told me when he wanted to throw me out of the yeshiva, because my Rebbe caught me listening to an old seventies. A friend of mine had made a recording of top 40 hits. My Rebbe discovered me during a recess, listening to it in my room. And when the Manaha wanted to throw me out, he didn't. But he said, this is what Acher did. Acher listened to um, to, to non-Jewish music. Um, and that's why he became the tremendous Russia. Uh, so Rav Moshe deals with it a, with a little more realistically than my Manaha did. He says that, what was wrong with listening to music? He says, it must be that that music was Avodah Zara music. And therefore, it was Avodah Zara music that might have been old Avodah Zara music. But even if it's old Avodah Zara music, you see that singing it and getting into it can somehow have an effect on you. And therefore, he's not talking about the song I was listening to, which was some forgotten top 40 hit. Beatles is not going to lead you to become an Oivet Avedo Zara. But Rav Moshe says, uh, uh, songs that, that stemmed from the church could lead to Avodah Zara. And therefore, the tune itself should also not be used. Therefore, uh, Rav Moshe says that, um, he says, Especially if you know it comes from the church, 
So in a way, in your memory, you're thinking about the church. The same way Rav Moshe says you're not supposed to tell someone, meet me by the church, right? Here in Elizabeth, from, you know, somebody would want to say, meet you on the corner of Galloping Hill and Park. You can't say in the church parking lot, which is right over there. You can't do that. So he says the same way, even if you don't say it in your mouth, but, but the fact is, is that, he says, the fact is, is that you know it's church music. And it's Haskara Shem Avodah So he says, Memewa, it's in your brain, it's in your mind. And therefore, Rav Moshe says that um, anything that, that you know was, that came from that period, and Evie says, and, and Rav Moshe goes even further. He says, he says, anything that was written by a Christian probably in that period was probably done for Avodah Zarah. <laughs> because that was that period. Um, um, he's, uh, and therefore, he, he has a problem. So Rav Moshe is the biggest machmir here. Rav Moshe is a very big machmir. Uh, Rav Chaim David Alevi is, says you should probably stay away from it. Rav Chochem Avadia is a lot more in the middle. And then we have these earlier poskim, Rabbi Sol Chazan and others, that actually applaud it uh, and, and maybe studying it would be a very positive thing. But again, I thought it was an interesting uh, area. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.